Hola, hola. You're listening to Se Ves Escucha, Seen and Heard, a language justice podcast for everyone preserving and celebrating their language and their culture. Se Ves Escucha is a project of the Center for Participatory Change. I am Ada Volkmer, and I am super excited. This is a long-anticipated episode. I am here with Akua Page and Chris Cato of Geechee Experience. Hola, compas. Welcome to Se Ves Escucha. Hola. Hola, what's going on, y'all? That's how we say hi, hola, in Galagichi. What's going on? I want to start off by thanking both of you for being here. Uh, we have not had the chance to meet yet. Uh, we have like friends of friends who connected us. So I want to thank Kenya and thank Chloe for, for bringing us together. Um, and I wanted to start off with asking you all if you will tell us about Geechee Experience. Well, cool. You want to take, take them? I'll take them. So Geechee Experience, we created it like about a year ago. It's a, it's a movement really, which turned into like a big online platform where we utilize technology to preserve Gullah Geechee language and coaching, but we focus on language um, just out of our own experiences because like for a long time growing up, you know, we was taught to like be ashamed of being Geechee, honestly. Like that used to be fighting words. Like somebody mm -hmm. call you Geechee in school, you ready to box them off, you ready to fight. Like who you calling Geechee? You know, but that's just yeah. coming from like the miseducation around it and like the stigma around it. So we created Geechee experience to let people know like our English is not broken, we Geechee. And you know, right. that's literally when I was saying like my English ain't broken, I Geechee. That's right. So like I said, it, it basically became a it became a digital platform. Like I said, well, we know that in order for something to be known or to be understood, it has to be seen. And um, and so we have it on, you know, the biggest billboard in the planet. And that's right. social media. That's social media. Right. Yeah. And, so, and we wow. literally, like, we went viral overnight. Isn't it, Chris? Yeah, literally overnight. Literally. <laughs> With the video? Or how did it, how did that happen? With that video, man, we, we just... We planned it. We planned it, but we didn't plan the video. It, the video wasn't the uh, Gitchi 101 wasn't really a uh, a focal point. It was just like a. It was more for us like a starting point, you know. And actually, mm -hmm. no people started focusing on that. Right. And so we had to create all all the other content. We had to create around that, as opposed to creating content and then having the language around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how did you all like? How did you all? How do you all know each other? How did you all come up with Gucci Experience? I know cool for years, since like since 12. she was like a kid. <laughs> yeah, she was a kid, you know. And um, we just we uh, we just been through things together. We you know we live in the same city. We deal with the same stuff. And I mean, pretty much, you know how that goes, you know. You know, hey, yeah. yeah I don't know if y'all ever watch t uh watch those little survival shows, but you know, people get uh, in, in a hard situation and they end up coming out of it and they're best friends or whatnot, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the yeah. kind of stuff that's, the, yeah. That's sweet. That's and it's sweet. a thing in, in our community, like if you were friends with somebody longer than, I want to say like five years, they basically become your family, like at that point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, your yeah. family. He was friends, you know, with my older sister before I even started being friends with him. So yeah, that connection right there, because unfortunately my sister, she died though a couple, couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Going on, going on five years. Hmm. I think about five years already, huh? Mm-hmm. And you also also have a podcast. Well, will you tell us about the podcast? The Geechee um Geechee Sundays and the Geechee Experience podcast on Anchor, which kind of like the same thing, but we was experimenting with different platforms. 
and with that was we kind of kind of like giving people like Geechee news because that's what's missing like locally in the city like going back to that language access like all the news outlets is like is you're getting one perspective from one culture and Charleston has more than one culture and Gullah Geechee is one of those I want to say it's not a secret culture but it's one of these invisible cultures because unless you are Gullah Geechee nobody really pays attention to us and our issues our concerns or even you know like our um, achievements so we utilize our, our podcast to let them know like what's going on like I think we mm-hmm. talked about um the Calhoun statue coming down and what that means for us because a lot of you know people they were happy about it but we also talked about I mean them taking down that statue that's cool and dandy but are you going to change the like structural racism that still exists within Charleston right. you know if not then I mean you couldn't keep that statue up mm-hmm. and, the ev- and the evidence is just the blatant disrespect of using gotta get your people named the prophet you know, mm-hmm. so that, that just kind of shows like the uh, the superiority. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's abs- it's absolutely 100% disrespectful. And it's it's baffling to me that that they can't understand that. You know, mm-hmm. you see you see folks they can't understand how they're being disrespectful. And I think if you have to tell somebody that what you're doing is wrong, they don't believe it. They'll never believe it's wrong. Right. right. So uh, Akua. I- I was thinking about how to ask this question because I feel embarrassed to even say, like, will you tell us, like, will you tell the listeners um, what Galagichi is or who Galagichi peoples are? Um, but I think that for a lot of our listeners, uh, they are asking themselves, like, what is Galagichi? So will you tell us a little bit more about the Galagichi community? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. So Galagichi people, um, we are descendants, not descendants of slaves, which a lot of people like to say, we are descendants of of West Africans who were forced to come to America during that transatlantic slave trade and forced to work on like rice, indigo, um, cotton, indigo mm-hmm. plantations. And because we were isolated, like on these islands, because a lot of um, the European settlers they couldn't they couldn't adapt to the climate, and the climate in Charleston was real similar to the climate already in West Africa. So mm-hmm. they could they wasn't even here. They were basically give like another um African who wasn't still a slave, but they would give them the title of like overseer. So we was literally on these islands by ourselves. So that gave us the time to hold on to our African tradition and create a whole new culture. And which I call Galagichi like the if the, the African diaspora had a baby, that's Galagichi because we're literally like a mixture of di- those different African cultures, like Igbo, um, the Fulani. Like Yoruba. all these different, um, the Yoruba, all these different African ethnicities. Cause a lot of people don't realize that they wasn't just like going to Africa and taking one tribe. It mm-hmm. was like multiple and they did it by design to separate people if they spoke the same language so they can minimize their rebellions and their revolts. Which is also why I take pride in being Gullah Geechee cause our people was able to come together underneath like a traumatic experience like slavery and it'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, we gotta give birth. We here now, we gotta mm-hmm. figure out a way to create a common language amongst ourselves. Um, and that's how you got Gullah Geechee. Right. Yep. Yep. And Stand strong. <laughs> and what for you is the difference between Gala and Gichi? To me, and and you know, everybody might have like a if you ask like 10 Gala Gichi people, that you probably gonna get 10 answers. Um, but to me, the main difference is just like the language. Like I feel like Gala is more traditional. Like you hear a lot of um elders, they'll say like, um, like when we first kind of on, you know, we still like what's going on, because that's how we greet each other. But like older Gala Gichi people, they'll say like how hana for do. You know, which you know, you know, right, I will go on, but we don't say that, you know, so I feel like difference between Gullah is that Gullah is more like traditional, the traditional Gullah Geechee and Geechee is the more modern form, like you see how it evolved. Mm-hmm. Right. 
in the time, did you listen to the Gullah? Basically, you just listen to the Gullah language in a time where we actually have to adapt to try to survive, you know, like get jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to talk with you about that because I know that for many Spanish-speaking families, for many Latino families, the older generation is struggling, right? Like the kids are growing up here in the United States. Um, English is a way to survive and speaking English is a way to survive. And then that kind of clashes with the with your parents, with the grandparents that are like, we only speak such and such language in the home. So I wanted to ask you all, you know, um, how how is standard, you know, white standard English um, a, a tool for survival for for you all? And then, uh, Aku, if you would tell us a little bit about the tutoring, too, that you do. I, I can tell you screw up. I can tell you right, yeah. screw up right now how how that survival was pretty much. If I go in, if I'm the way I'm talking to you right now, if I go in and try to get a job like this, they're not even gonna take me serious because they don't even because they don't even take it as a um as 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 a, a real language. language. Or, yeah, it's not legitimate, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's just you speaking poor English, okay? Um, so I won't be able to get a job. I won't be able to go get food, right? So now, okay, so maybe I might be able to grow food, but I might need some help. Right. Well, the people that need the people that uh that that can help me, they probably at work. My mom used to say that all the time. She used to say that uh the, the parents can't come to PTA meetings because nine times out of ten they at work. Mm -hmm. And uh and, and let me tell you something. Be honest with you, code switching is probably the most un uh the most uncomfortable thing that I have to do on any on any day, whether it be daily or weekly. It's very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. I'm conforming to somebody else's standard of correctness or rightness. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. right so. and that's exactly what it is and i got a um i wrote an article on our website i'm um, called i, I want to say it's called be code switch for survival like we don't like that's not something like we take pride in you know because no like that's like the argument right now in charleston county they want to teach the churn how to how to code switch and feel like you know well that's the tool they need i'm like we do that for survival not you mm -hmm. know because we want to right not because it's we not for fun to. Right. at all because we don't we don't we don't feel like ourselves doing it you know and, and it'll be different if they teach it from like a bilingual perspective which is what i try to do with my students but how they doing it is is like okay well what you're speaking we we like it's like they finally understand the kids speak a different language but they still don't see it as on an equal playing field as american english so they say well yeah you speak galagishi but that's incorrect so you uh -huh. need to speak american english while you're here at school and i'm like no you know why you at another job or and I'm like no like because who because who says like who said American English was the standard anyway right and who's whose English is that whose English is that yeah so so how are things different from when like you all were growing up when you all were coming up Akua you said something about like those were fighting words how are things different from when you all were growing up to to, to today I feel like um with, with our movement Gishi experience is like it's different now because these churn, they take pride in being Geechee. Like, you just call them Geechee. Like, yeah, Geechee, what's up? You know, like, yeah, my such and such from this island or they from North Charleston. Like, they, yeah. they, it's like a sense of pride instead of like a badge of shame or like how we was taught. Because, and there's even a saying, because some parents, you know, like how you were saying, they see English as like a, a tool of survival. So, some parents used to beat their churn. If you were speaking Geechee or even certain schools, like, because a lot of schools down here used to be mm -hmm. Catholic schools, you was getting beat. And now we have a term. If we meet another Galagichi person that doesn't speak the language, we say, oh, you got the Gichbi out of you. You got the Gichbi out of you. Yeah, you what it was. You. Like, if you were speaking Gichi, you was getting hit upside your head with something. Um, but now we're seeing, like, 
we're seeing people take pride in them. We're seeing people like people hit us up daily. Hey, um, my my mom was Galagichi, but we move out the city. Daily. I want to teach my turn Galagichi. You know, I want to learn this language. I, you know, like I'm proud to speak it. So we're seeing like a like a reconstruction era type with being Galagichi now. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, people will be on the inbox saying stuff like, um, um, my grandmother's from so and so, my grandfather's from so and so. But then what they'll say is, I don't have the dialect. You know, but that don't make that don't make you know less, you know. Um, and um, and we also have people sharing stories, like long stories, with us. You know what I mean? Um, and 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 even expressing that they shed in tears. You know what yeah, I mean? All the time. Um, so so that sounds like something that was bottled up for a long time. You know, you want to be yourself, and I and you got to imagine. Of course, you're gonna be emotional whenever you wanted to be yourself, but you, but you're not allowed to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's pretty painful, I'm, I'm sure. And what do you think changed? Like, what do you think makes the kids now be like so proud, so proud? Not trying to sound, um, not trying to sound full of it, but us. Yeah, <laughs> nice. that's, that's, that's really what it is. And in that representation, because like a lot of you not, I have to like really, it's like talking to a brick wall. I've been inside Charleston County Schools for like going on eight years. And mm. they laughed at me at first when I was telling them about, okay, like, you know, Galagi, she's a real language. These kids are not slow because they'll put the kids in special ed, speech class, say they have a learning disability. Um, like, that's not it. These kids speak a whole different language. You have to approach it because they're bilingual, you know. Mm-hmm. And for, so for mm-hmm. Black History Month last year, I made, um, I celebrated the diversity of, of African-American languages. And literally all the kids were so happy. They all, even the older kids, because I was on the pre-K hall, they would stop at my door and they'll be so happy. Like, oh, I see that, I see that. Just having that representation, knowing that you feel heard and respected. Like that's mm-hmm. what makes the difference. Because now they're like, oh, okay. You know, so I'm not speaking broken English because such and mm-hmm. such down the road, uh, Miss, Miss Brown said my English is broken. I'm like, no, you speak. You and you know what we was taught too, though? They, um, son, son, uh, son Mishu taught us, he was like, if, if a if a group of people agree on what something means, that's a language. Mm-hmm. So this is not incorrect. It's not incorrect. And the kids, and you know, you hear people say this all the time. Like, oh, I thought that was I thought I was the only one that said that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. no, yeah. you're not the only one that say that. Yeah, that's you know, true. And so. that's why I feel like that goes back to like the, the global anti-blackness, mm-hmm. because it's like, it's who who are you to determine what defines a language and what's not? And that's really like the fight I feel like we're up against. And you, and especially like with people who are, who are Galagichi that have been educated. Cause I know what me, like I look at it as I have to educate myself two ways when I'm in school, I have to look at the information they're giving me, but also look at from an African perspective, because just historically, you know, anything related to blackness is going to be labeled inferior, you know? So I've like, cause a lot of like the peers I had to, my coworkers were black, just like me. Some were even Galagichi, but telling these kids that their English is broken. Mm-hmm. You know, so that just shows like how deep like the anti-blackness is. Mm -hmm. I want to say I had a uh, when I was coming up as a community organizer, I had a colleague, an elder, uh, Tammy, uh, Reverend Tammy Forte Logan. And she was the first person. She was like the first black person, because sometimes the interpreters when we like, let's say we're going to interpret somewhere at a school meeting at a, you know, city hall, whatever. And we say, oh, you know, uh, for everyone who's bilingual. And uh, Tammy was the first person who told me, like, I am bilingual. I speak English and I speak Ebonics. Those are two separate languages. And so some some of that, like, anti-Blackness that we were bringing into the space when we when we were saying this is what bilingual is and and not opening up to, no, bilingual being multilingual can mean 
can mean many different things. So I really appreciate her teaching me that many, many years ago. In one of our previous episodes, we were asking folks like what made them uh, feel comfortable and powerful when they spoke. Um, so I wanted to ask you all, like, what makes you feel comfortable and powerful when you speak? I feel empowered and I feel comfortable when no one can understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. empowered when I can just speak freely. Like, I don't got to think. Like, when I'm when you code switching, you got to you gotta prepare yourself mentally. Okay, what am I going to say next? Because I know if I speak it, you know, because naturally you, you speak in your first language, you think in your first language. But when right. you're with somebody else, you got to constantly think, okay, how... How do I cool switch this and, and that? Like, that's exhausting. So to me, I feel comfortable when I know I don't have to worry about that. Like, I can speak freely without, you know, somebody saying, oh, I don't I don't understand you. You got to keep constantly repeating yourself. Yeah, I like saying, when you oh, don't understand why, me. Why, why, why are you talking like that? You know, <laughs> that sounds ratchet. That sounds ghetto. You know, like, that's just, uh, this, it's frustrating. You, even, you ain't even know why you're talking about my mouth and radio. You push your mouth say something like that. You see what you're saying? Mm-hmm. You don't know why you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I love that. You ain't even know mm-hmm. why you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You ask me now, you know, so now by you asking me, what does that mean? You just legitimize the language for me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So this makes me I I know that um, we both live in communities that are facing a ton of gentrification. You all shared this map of like the most gentrified cities. And there was Asheville and there was Charleston. Um, so I wanted to ask you all about kind of some of the challenges that um, you all are seeing in your community now. Affordable housing. The jobs don't match. Right, there is and, none. And, 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 and even if you qualified as, as a, as a Galagichi or, or, or African-American period, especially here in Charleston, South Carolina, if, if you know, if you've ever worked in Charleston, South Carolina, I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. we don't have, we don't get to get those positions that's going to afford us to be able to live downtown like we used to, right? Mom mm-hmm. used to live downtown. Now we don't live downtown because the houses over there used to be what 150, 200,000 maybe, right? Maybe even 300. Now they doggone close to a million dollars. And the reason why we all been downtown because that was that was the affordable place. That's the place people didn't want to live at. The same with on the islands. It was all marshland. But you mm-hmm. know, our ancestors, they went in and they turned like how they always do turn nothing into something. And now they done raise the taxes and kicking people out who literally like built the city. Like, right. you see people built Charleston, we built these islands, but now we can't even afford to stay there. Like, I just posted um an article, I think, two weeks ago with this woman. She um she inherited, like, over, I think, like, over 100 acres and Dominion Energy. They want to put, like, a gas plant through her backyard, and she told mm-hmm. them no. And so now and they're basically telling her, like, you got one more time, like, to mm-hmm. let us put this gas p- pipe through your line. And mm-hmm. they trying to basically take her to court to say, like, eminent domain, like, basically trying to force her hand and you know that's how a lot of Gullah Geechee people land are being like snatched away because we don't have who has money and time for lawyers mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm. you know so it's mm-hmm. like this little trickery stuff and then going back to access to like language access you have a lot of elderly people who own their homes who only speak Gullah Geechee you know they have no no need to really learn English because they they eat off the land they eat from the water there's no need for me to really interact go outside my island for anything so but you have this person that's coming to you and pretending they can help you so you signing a contract that's going based off of what they say and not knowing now you didn't sold your house right you know so it's yeah. also like being that type being of stuff and then on top of that the uh the uh what they call it the uh gentrification which is basically rehabbing a community the people that live around it don't really get to participate in that so what, mm-hmm. what's going to happen is they're going to buy these houses these two houses right next door to your house then they're going to do this uh forced appreciation thing you know like 
the fix and flip, right? And then now the tech, your taxes went from two thousand dollars a year to seven, eight thousand dollars a year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because the two houses on the side, you know, got rehab, right? Mm -hmm. And your house hadn't got rehab, so Mm -hmm. you can't pay that because you still you just floating above water anyway. Because guess what? You are. uh, Let's keep it real. As a black person in Charleston, South Carolina, you're either a cook, a cleaner, right? Someone who makes the beds at the hotels, right? Um, you're somebody who cleans up uh, white pe- white people's private homes, right? That's what that's what black folk down here do. They work at Burger King, stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. All the education in the world. But there's not. All but the- even the education, the education is just to keep us as like manual labor. Like that's what the education is for. The education isn't empowering. And I say that as as a teacher that's been inside these schools, it's not to empower. Um, it's not to empower Gullah Geechee kids at all. Of course like, not. It's just empower you enough so you can work for other people. Right. Like even mm-hmm. the expectations, like some of the, the teachers put on these kids, it's like it's it's not it's not empowering. So how can you know? So how can you ex- expect expect the next generation to even like know how to fight gentrification when they don't even know what that is? And then also, um, mm-hmm. going back to a lot of people been losing their land. So you got generations of Galagishi um churning who never even experienced living on like living on never land. experienced land. Never. Most mm-hmm. of us we just grew up living on like apartments, public houses and stuff like that. Public, yeah, public housing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, and even that, like, that's a constant struggle, like affordable housing. And, they, and what they'll say is they'll say, well, why don't y'all get together and do, and, uh, and build something together, right? Right, right. I don't say, why don't y'all and, just and we, and we did that, but what, what well, they did. Well, yeah, of course. of course. And so when we did something like that, then bombs was dropped from, mm-hmm. you know, from local police and stuff like that. And um, if we if we look at it in, in a real sense, think about it now, all of this shit that black people have been through, all right, coming in this country from the beginning on to up till now, trust level ain't really there with us. We got issues, obviously, in our in our own communities, and and and, and people talk about it like, oh, well, just fix it, or just do this, or just do that. You know, man, we got trauma, you know, mm-hmm. but we don't right. get, but we but we don't get, cause my now, let's keep it real now. Uh, things that happened to your to your parents and the parents before and the parents before that shit trickle down, you know. It do. It that's do. I don't a, know. That's not an imaginary phenomenon. That's a real phenomenon now. It really is. Because like after slavery, there was no counseling centers for um for African people to not. go to. So like you know, there was nothing no. for for our people. But even then, you still had some of our people who was like, okay, but we go figure out a way. So I want to ask you all then, what gives you hope? The fact that if I what gives me hope is the fact that people is excited about it, right? People claiming it. Um, and, and that, uh, and, and everything, everything that we talk about, whether it be online or in person, it's all positive positivity. That would, that, to me, that would give me hope. Yeah, that would give me hope. And, and I see the chance so that really gives me hope. I mean, we were just featured on Who Who Taste the Nation and like so many people would hit us up crying, crying. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad I'm gonna get you. I'm about to start embracing it all. Um, like this crying, so that right there gives me hope. Then again, I, I love the babies. That's that's like what yeah. my, um, my, my expertise where I teach. I teach the churn and just just seeing how they faces light up. Like we was inside, um, we spoke at a at a juvenile jail um a couple months ago. And just to see like telling these kids that you are somebody, what you speak is not broken, like this, like the mm-hmm. a light went on in their head. Mm-hmm. You know, because imagine nobody probably even told them that. Like nobody right. probably told you that you bilingual, that you that you come from greatness. You know, all their life they probably been people telling them, oh, you ain't gonna be shit, or this and that, this and that, like. You know, so that that gives me hope, like seeing these kids, because everybody, you know, they got a lot to say about the younger kids, but 
they are the future. Like they they really are. And if you give yeah. them the tools and let them know that they come from greatness, then they they'll do great. Yeah. That's really all yeah. it is. Like it's really that simple. Like because I literally see like a switch um from from kids who are taught their history in an accurate way and who are taught by you in, in their culture. I see a difference in their behavior versus kids who are constantly being told, Oh, you come from slaves, that's it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. you speak a slave that. language. You know, like how can you ex- how can you expect low black kids to you know behave a certain way if all you telling them is that you come from slaves and that's it? It's too hard for me to work with them kids, man. They make me cry. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, cool, you strong. I can't. Do it. They make me cry. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> Is there anything else that you all want to say as we wrap up? Um, I said, if y'all want to know more, you know, follow us on Instagram. We all over social media, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. And go on the, go on the website and check out some of the period. This is a big part of uh, preserving. When yeah, people see this, is, this is a billboard as well. Put it on, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you don't know what it means, learn about it. Somebody would be happy to tell you all about it. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. Gracias. You, y'all hold thank it you. down. Thank you, Chris. Gracias, Akua. I'm Ada Volkmer of the Center for Participatory Change. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. If you've been like, yeah, one day I'm going to write that review for Cerveza Escucha. Today is that day. (laughs) Subscribe, rate, like, follow Cerveza Escucha on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter, we're at SVSE Podcast. You can also email us at svsepodcast at gmail.com. This episode edited by Somos de Mente. Music by Combo Chimbita. Mm-hmm.